Father, we come before your throne. Father, I pray that even as we sing, we understand to honor you. Father, may you be focus of our, our thoughts, our attitudes, our actions, our responses. Father, you would invade us in such a way we'd be overwhelmed by your presence. We'd draw to you. We'd long for you. Father, become the passion of our souls. Father, as we read these words, as you unfold this before us, Father, may we who are called by your name be overwhelmed, overjoyed. Oh, Lord. Help us to hear. Help us to see. Help us to live in light of the resurrection that is before all of us. In Christ's name. Amen. Verse 12. Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But... If there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith also is in vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testify against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise. In fact, that if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. Okay, the Apostle Paul is writing to a church that had succumbed to their societal influence. This is not a doctrinal thesis here because he's explained it already. I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which you also received, which you also stand, by which you are also being saved if you hold fast. He's not saying this is new. How did you get saved? How can you be a church? And we've already looked at the first 11 verses is proof of the resurrection. And then the verse 12 is sort of the pivotal thing here because this is what happens. How can some of you say there is no resurrection from the dead? But if you look at Greek philosophy and some of the philosophy that exists today, that you are immersed in and you just don't pay attention. And I'll keep trying to give you illustrations as I go through. They believe that the body was evil, the spirit was good, the body just rotted and the spirit went out and hung out. The spirit was immortal, the soul would be immortal, it was part of deity to start with and, and all the rest of it. And we just all go be happy and be floating in heaven and with big smiles on our faces. I believe that there's some of us today who say, yeah, I believe everything you believe, but I'm not sure about the bodily resurrection. I could be honest with you, I've never seen anybody raised from the dead. 
I haven't. I haven't seen a body get up from the dead. And I know people today who believe all, but the bodily part, I believe, you know, God was spirit. Ain't that what your Bible says? And we must all have sort of spirit thing and we will all go be spiritual. Paul says, oh, really? And he gives here a list, what I call seven disasters that will fall into these two consequences. There's seven in total that result in denying the resurrection. And I'm talking about a bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay? Here's the key to this. Paul is so cool. And I, yeah, I understand. He's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That makes him cool. That he is connecting the bodily resurrection of Christ to the bodily resurrection of men. We don't, I think we miss this at times. You can't separate them. It's it's the same coin. There's two sides to the coin. And I believe that we today, I am convinced that we today, who are called by His name, I'm talking true Christians, have either let this kind of slide through our fingers, or I don't know what we've done with it. You are a person and you will be that person forever in a glorified form bodily. Please understand that. And, and I watch us and I watch the church. We, we've bought pragmatism. When I look at the church growth stuff, when I, when I see this system or this methodology or, you know, you hear me talk about what worship is and people says, well, we sang our brains out. That ain't worship. And, and how do you go beyond something that says a bodily resurrection? What pragmatic method would you like to accomplish that with? I mean, if some of you guys remember Roy Rogers, if you don't repent, he had a really cool horse. I don't even like horses. And the reason that he had a cool horse, it was his. It wasn't mine. And when his horse died, do you know what he did? He stuffed him and put him up in there he is in the corner. That's not resurrection. But it is cheaper to feed. I want to drop into verse 13. The first problem of denying the resurrection shows up there. If there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. Okay? That poses a problem. If it's no big deal whether we believe in a bodily resurrection, what about Christ? If dead men don't rise, then Christ didn't rise. Okay? And Paul says, by the way, that would be contrary to the first 11 verses that I've just written. Okay? 
First important, it was according to the scriptures. Then we had witnesses, Peter, then the, the apostles, and then 500, and then James, and then myself. All right? So what he does is he uses a contrary to the fact statement. Okay, I'm going to use your statement. I'm going to use what you're thinking and what you're buying into, what you're embracing, what you think is going to help you, and I'm going to give it in light of what I've given you as truth. Dead men don't rise, then guess what? Christ didn't rise. And you know what? I watched this today, and I actually had a conversation just yesterday about this. Fascinating. He's different. That was God. Be careful. But you understand that he wasn't really a man. I mean, that was God. Oh? Oh, yeah. Explain that to me. Well, the dove thing. Remember the spirit came down on him like a dove? Okay. Let me explain something to you. Jesus of Nazareth was 100% man. Okay? Well, actually, if you truly want to be honest with the picture, he was half man, half God. Really? Well, what you're saying is, is that he was 100% man and 100% God. How do you get 200% in one box? Push hard. He is the only one that ever existed that was 200% of something. He was totally man, totally God. By the way, he still is. Please understand that. When he was in Israel and he ascended, what went up was a man. Okay, well, how did it go? I mean, listen, there's a lot of things that I don't know how he did. Okay, but he exists today 100% man, 100% God. And Paul assumes. There is a total incarnation, a full incarnation. This is a man who is God. If you say dead men don't rise, then what do you do with Christ? Now I'm going to ask you a question. Are we, are you sure he was a man? Okay, And I would argue, absolutely, not only am I sure, the Bible's adamant about it. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 22, Men of Israel, listen to these words. This is Peter uh, practicing his first sermon. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. 
Okay, he says he is a man. First Corinthians that you're looking at, verse 21, for since by a man came death, okay, we all remember him, right? Not personally, but we know of him. Adam. By a man came the resurrection of the dead. Okay? Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 says, He was made of a woman. It means he was humanly born. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 says, The man, Christ Jesus. I mean, if you really look at it, this is just not, you don't need to take this to the bank and, and, and bank it as a deep theological truth. But one of the things that I've noticed that when, if you read the apostles' writings, uh, and I mean the, the, the original disciples, whether it be Peter or John or Matthew, you will see that they always call him Jesus Christ. Okay, Jesus is his humanly name, Christ is his divine name, or his divine implication. Okay, Paul is the only one who calls him Christ Jesus. See, the disciples had met him first as Jesus, the human. And then they hung out with and seen and were exposed to, whoa, this is Christ. Okay? But Paul seen him the first time as, whoa, dude, Christ. See the difference? I mean, you don't have to go out and make it. Oh, I'm telling you, we've got a great controversy here. Um, you, you don't have to go there. It's just something that I've noticed, and there may not be any truth to that at all. I understand him as Christ Jesus. Timothy had seen him as Paul saw him, and he was the man Christ Jesus. One of the best statements of the humanity of Jesus Christ, well, is the whole letter to the Hebrews. But Hebrews chapter 2 verse 17 says this, Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things, so that he might become a merciful, faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God. That's not a massive statement. Why? And always he was tempted, yet was without sin. See, when the world looked at him, they looked on a... Man. Okay? He wasn't a phantom. He wasn't a spirit. He was a man. Mark chapter 6, verse 3 even talks about his family, his brothers, his sisters. Okay? His mom, his dad. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this the carpenter's phantom? No. This is the carpenter's son. He was a guy. He was a guy. Fascinating, though, because there are times when we... I think we belittle this or we downplay this at times. I, I, I don't know what we do with it. And I'll be honest with you, there's times it's difficult for me. I apologize. I have not seen anyone raised from the dead. I have never seen anyone raised from the dead. I have been on ambulances before. I have buried friends. And, and you, there are certain things you can notice in a situation where a living person is getting ready to leave. You can, the thing that I've always noticed is you, you can look in their eyes. And, and there's, I, I don't know how to describe it, but you can look in their eyes and says, this is bye-bye. 
Okay, and I, that's all I can tell you. You know, my, my wife is a nurse, and she says, well, you can look at the monitor, and on, dude, <laughs> I, don't, I don't need a monitor to look. Look in the eyes. John chapter 19, the Gospel of John chapter 19. Pilate, after mocking him, Jesus came out wearing a crown of thorns and a purple robe. Pilate said to them, what? Behold the man. Behold the man. First John. Chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, John writing, saying, Concerning this man, our hands have handled him. We've touched him. We hung out with him. The one text that I believe that we miss, that we need to pay attention to, comes from a little... Maybe it's the reason is that once you get into First John, you immediately end up in Revelations. But there's also Second and Third John. And the second letter John wrote, Second John... Verse 7 says this, For many deceivers have gone out into the world, make note, those, what is a deceiver? Those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the Antichrist. Interesting statement. Doesn't sound real loving, does it? Well, maybe they're just wrong. No, they're deceived. They are deceivers. He is a man in every way. He is a man in all things. If dead men don't rise, then Jesus Christ did not rise. Because Jesus Christ is a man. If you go through the Gospels, the four Gospels, if you look at those in detail, there's fascinating things. We get into the theological side of it. You know, Matthew looked at him as king, and John looked at him, and we, we get into that. And one of the things that I believe that we miss at times is when we're trying to do an analytical, we're trying to grab this, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But a lot of times we miss some things that I think are very, very important, and one are the details of his life, his humanity. He is a man. Yes, he is God. But he is a man. I'm just going to give you a list here of things that I kind of cursory went through and just jotted down little notes as I went. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, it says he was conceived in a woman's womb. That makes him a man. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 25, it says he was born, he was birthed. That would be the human manner of being born. He didn't crawl from under a rock. He didn't spontaneously exist. He was born. Luke chapter 2, verse 21, I always thought it was fascinating. He was circumcised. Try to do that to a phantom. To a spirit. To a ghost. Matthew 26, verse 38 said, He possessed a human soul. 
John chapter 1 verse 14 said he had a human body. We beheld him. One of the texts that is, I I think we just sort of read over it quickly because it's not red letter. Is Luke chapter 2 verse 52 says that he grew in stature. Which was the growing, he had to deal with, what do we call it? Puberty. Which is silly. But he grew. He was an infant. That's fascinating. Don't you think it's fascinating? God shows up as a helpless infant. What? Do you you understand these things? Why? When it comes to a lifetime, when it comes to a time that you have to deal with, you know, I can look at Gabby sitting back there taking notes, um, and then a few other here, we're at different places, and we think that we are dealing with something, God don't understand this, I'm I'm just a teenager, or gosh, you know, I'm not a teenager yet, I want to be a teenager, or a parent trying to potty train, and we want our child to roll over, and then we want our child to sit up and we want our child to walk then we want them to sit down um, and we want them to talk and then we want them to shut up and we go back and forth with all of this and we said well you don't understand this God you didn't have no kids really he had one you know what's amazing about his one he, well, he was born and endured everything you and I did I wonder if he had homework anyway but he grew John chapter 11 verse 35 says he cried. Grown men don't cry. They are if they're God. Matthew chapter 4 verse 2 is one of the fascinating ones to me. He got hungry. God got hungry. John chapter 19 verse 28 said he was thirsty. I have spent a little time in Israel. It would be easy to get thirsty in Israel. If you just woke up, you would probably be thirsty. Matthew chapter 8 verse 24, he became sleepy. I remember one time he crawled up in the front of a boat in the middle of a storm. He was tired and he was taking a nap. In John chapter 4, verse 6, it says he became weary. He became weary. John chapter 11, verse 33, he felt sorrow and grief. This is God, people. But I thought it was this. No, he is a man. In Luke chapter 22. Verse 64, this man's face was beaten by fists. And Matthew chapter 27, verse 26, this man was whipped, was scourged. Luke chapter 23, verse 33, this man was nailed to a cross. John 19.30, this man died. John 19.34 says that even after his death, his side was pierced with a Roman spear. 
In Matthew 27, verse 59, this man was buried in a tomb. I give you these because I want you to think about this, that he is just like any other man. He is a man. He wasn't a phantom. He didn't have a special blessing from a dove who landed on him and John the Baptist baptized him. One of the things that always amazed me is that God publicly proclaimed him acceptable at his baptism because he spoke forth, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. This is a man at 30 years old whom God was well pleased. At 30 years old, God was not well pleased with me. And even after he came out of the tomb, he is still a man. I'm going to take you to a good text. Luke, Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. Oops. Luke 24. Uh, we'll pick it up. Uh, let's see, where do I want to start? Verse 33. And then we'll probably go through 43. Okay. Because this is a fascinating, we, we read this a lot, we've heard this a lot. I think there's even a little group called the Emmaus guys or whatever they call themselves. They got up that very hour and they returned to Jerusalem. And they found, gathered together the eleven who were with them. Okay, who is this? Okay, these guys were the guys on the road to Emmaus. They had just gone through an awful week. Um, and had uh, fallen in love with Jesus. And before their very eyes, this Passover celebration turns into this awful lynching and murder of this man that they had grown to love. And on the road to Emmaus, he shows up and reveals himself as Jesus Christ. That very hour, they returned to Jerusalem, I bet, probably like you're the Roadrunner cartoon, dust over the hills, headed back to Jerusalem. And they found gathered together the eleven, those who were with them, saying, the Lord has really risen and he has appeared to Simon. They began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. It became clear we break bread together. While he's telling these things, okay, now, you're, you, listen, you're in that upper room and you've gone through a nasty couple of days. Okay? And now you've got two guys saying, well, I just talked to him. Been out in the sun too long. Okay, I, I remember where they buried him. I know where they buried him. Why they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst. That's sort of like the Star Trek thing. Be me in Scotty or something. You know, he is and now he isn't. 
Now listen, I've never experienced anything like that, and I would have the same response that they had. Uh-oh. Startled and frightened. Maybe one of the smallest statements in the Bible. I would have said, freaked out and gone. Out of left. Via door, window, wall, however. Okay? He appears before them. Right there. Okay, see? He's a spirit, a phantom. He's a, a ghost. Because it says right there that they thought they were seeing a spirit. See, these guys here are ripe for Greek philosophy. They believe in spirits. And they believe that spirits are immortal. And they therefore a spirit would be resurrected. There he is, right there. And he says to them, why are you trumble, troubled? <laughs> troubled. That would be an understatement, wouldn't it? I mean, that's like when he was in the boat in the middle of the storm and the waves are crashing over the boat on the Sea of Galilee and it says they were afraid and they said, why are you up there sleeping? And he stands up and says, be still. And the water went flat and it says they became very afraid. Well, duh. That's when I'd have been walking on water. I'd have got out of the boat head for sure. Why? That guy just made the storm stop. Okay. Well, you shouldn't have woke him. <laughs> but but the, I, I really wish that Christianity would understand who is their king. You can't kill him. He is a man. He died. He paid the penalty. And the penalty was so successful. God says, I accept it. And you're out of the grave. And he is flesh and bone to this day. How do I know that? Watch. Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? He says, I told you I was going to be raised. See my hands and my feet that it is I myself. Then look what he says. Touch me. And see, for a spirit does not have, what does he say? Flesh and bones. He's flesh and bones. It would be no, no different than you going up and shaking somebody in this room's hand. Touch it. There it is. Flesh and bones. And when he had said this, he showed him his hands and his feet. And why? While they still could not believe it. Now, I'm, you know, we all get on. What a bunch of knuckleheads. I would be struggling. I, I've seen dead people. And it would be a little difficult. Could not believe it because of their joy and amazement. And I would probably say, dude, what is going on here? He said to them, what? <laughs> Don't that just freak you out? You've just been raised from the dead, and now I want a burger. Why? Well, I'm a little hungry. Spirits don't get hungry. I, I hear. I mean, I'm not running into a lot of them either. But do you see what I'm trying to get at? I, I really wish that we would at times understand that this is a human. This is a man. Even after the resurrection, he is still a... Man, I always wondered, well, if space is a vacuum, how do you get through space without like... Poof? Well, that would be the God part. 
Oh, okay. Okay, and then if you start doing how big is space and he went to heaven, which is on the other side of space, I'm like, what did I give you? I mean, how many G-forces is that pulling? Okay, none. There's There's no gravity. Oh, okay. Have anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, which I guess it's something that people would like. And he took it and he did what? Ate it. These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me and the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms would be Fulfilled, And he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Okay? Paul's point. 1 Corinthians 15. The philosophy or the mindset that the dead don't rise, it's spirit. Okay? Now, you don't think that this ain't true. I want you to think about something. How many times have you watched loved ones getting ready to separate and the one loved one says to the other, and don't worry, even though I'm dying, I will be with you? Where'd that come from? I mean, it's a great sentimental thought. I mean, I understand it, but I got news for you people. I love you. I have spent years with some of you. But when I'm out of here, I am not going to be with you. And nothing personal, I don't want to be. Because I know the alternative. The alternative is absent from the body. Okay? And you know what? You probably don't want me hanging around anyway. Because you guys know my warped sense of humor. And you would probably be better off to have Jesus around than me. Okay, so I just, but where did that come from? You know, I will be with you always. And you'll hear him say this. I feel their presence. What the heck does that mean? Where did it come from? I can tell you where it came from. Greek philosophy. Why? The spirit is eternal. What does it do? Hang out and bugs people. I mean, we've seen that movie. What was that one that Swayze was in? Yeah. When it, yeah. And he's going to solve his murder. Okay, and we like that. But you know what? It makes a good movie, but there ain't no truth to it. Please understand that. Please understand that. But you and I buy into it. And it is a philosophy that is there. And I got news for you. It's in the church. I talk to people. I know two pastors right now that do not believe that Jesus exists bodily. And I do not have the heart yet to show them... Second John 7. It's hard at a pastor's prayer time to... I think you're an antichrist. It sort of takes the edge out of the moment. He still has flesh and bones. He's a man. Okay, he's glorified. Yes. Okay. Nevertheless, he is a... Man, it's still the same man he was before. 
Please understand that. You know what? My calculations are, He is the only glorified body that will exist in heaven for eternity that will bear scars. And every time we see Him, every time we fellowship with Him, every time we adore Him and worship Him, we will know that those scars were for us. But you know what? When we see Him, you know what it's really going to be? We shall be like Him. I like that. I remember a professor one time told me that in heaven, everybody's going to be 33-year-old males because we will all be like Him. And I thought... that just don't sound like my description of heaven and then I've read on and said no that's silly okay because we are as different as the stars and God made us that way and I like that that when we get there we'll be individuals and yet we're all going to be in a unity that will only can only exist because we'll be existing in a glorified body that is Flesh and bones. Now listen, it's going to do different things. If you read the text that I just give you where they were in the upper room with this 12, here's how silly my thinking is. This is why you don't want me to come back as a spirit. But he ate and then he went right through the wall. Okay, now I don't mind him going through the wall because he's a glorified body. What happens to the fish? Okay, I mean, I know that's a sick... What the heck? What do you think? That ain't a glorified fish he just ate. So why didn't it stay in the room? So I don't... You know, everybody's like, oh, that's a sick puppy up there. Um, but I, I don't know how that works. I just don't know how you say, today you'll be with me in paradise. Where's paradise? It's way up there. You know, everybody asks me, well, where's heaven? Up. It's easy. That's the easiest question I've ever been asked. It's up. Where's up? Wherever God wants it to be. Because I, I always got nervous that if he calls us home at the wrong time, the Chinese would be going down. Because we went up. And uh-oh. Anyway. Lost that message, didn't he? Same man. <laughs> He's going to be the same in heaven. Shoot. Okay. When we see him, we will be like him. What will be cool about it is we will know as we are known. We've seen that in 1 Corinthians 13. Paul's point is the dead don't rise. Christ didn't rise. Okay. Take it back to what we already have looked at. Think about this for the second. You want to say that the entire faith, what do you do is based on his resurrections. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 says, If we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. Okay, And we confess with our mouths, which means I'm in absolute agreement, which means he had to be man. I just gave you a whole list of texts that says he has all the attributes, actions, and sympathies, and passions that a man has. Salvation is based on his resurrection. And if salvation is based on his resurrection, then he was a man. Okay? It's really very clear, very simple. But we do struggle. And 
You know, when I look at what Christians go through, uh, I guarantee you in this room right now, there are people in here who are struggling, who are heartbroken, who are having problems with their kids or need to be having problems with their kids, uh, maybe concerned about their jobs or just got their second mortgage on their house so they could get a tank of gas. And we're all sitting around saying, but God doesn't help us with this. And I laugh at it because you know what? He's a man. He's a great high priest in every way he was tempted as we were. He has a passion and a mercy because everything that you have endured or anything that you could ever endure, he's surpassed and never sinned. And yet, the only times we want to even talk to him is when we become desperate. And I got news for you. If you're sitting here today, you're already desperate. You may not know it, but you are. And you have the man, Christ Jesus, who is at the right hand of God the Father, making intercession on your behalf. And Paul says here, if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And John, 2 John 7 says that a person does not acknowledge Jesus Christ in the flesh. He is a deceiver, an anti-Christ. The second result is verse 13. Or wait, verse 14. All gospel preaching is useless. Don't panic. We'll look at it next week. Father, thank you for the resurrection. Thank you that we live in light of the resurrection. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us the resurrection. And Father, I lift these precious souls to you that they would walk in light of the resurrection and the power of the resurrection, the promises of the resurrection. Help us, Lord, to know that you raised your son from the dead and that we shall be raised to walk with him forever and ever. Thank you, Father. Thank you for my brother Paul who gives us these words that we may rest full weight upon it to your glory and to your praise. Help us, Lord. In Christ's name, amen.